This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. From New York, the makers of Clipper Craft Clothes for Men and 1036 leading retail stores from coast to coast present the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Our stories are based upon the character of Sherlock Holmes created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Sherlock Holmes is played by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by Alfred Shirley, and the dramatizations are by Edith Miser. Well, here we are as usual, toasting our hands in front of Dr. Watson's crackling fireplace. <laughs> Feels awfully good. Say, I thought my right hand would drop off. It got so cold tonight holding my hat coming down the street, Doctor. Mm, let's see, Mr. Harris. Yes, slightly nipped, perhaps, but uh, no real signs of frostbite. Oh, yes, reminds me of a patient I once had. Now, his hand was in a really bad way. Not from the cold, mind you, but from an encounter with a heavy and not too blunt instrument. Holmes always called it the adventure of the engineer's thumb. <laughs> I thought you were leading up to a story, Dr. Watson. The adventure of the engineer's thumb. Sounds sufficiently bizarre. Oh, it was, Mr. Harris, it was. Strange in its inception and dramatic in its details. Yes, I don't think I can do better than tell you that one. It began with one of the goriest patients any doctor ever had collapse in his waiting room. And it ended with Holmes getting himself in the tightest spot he was ever called upon to get... Oh, but uh, hadn't you better say a few words first? Thank you, Doctor. You'll go far and wide, and you won't find quality clothes so modestly priced as Clippercraft. Because even in the face of rising markets, Clippercraft has kept its prices down. This has been possible for just one reason, a big reason, the famous Clippercraft plan. The Clippercraft plan concentrates the buying power of 1036 of the nation's finest stores from coast to coast, providing year-round economies in manufacturing and distribution. Cost of production is cut way down and you are the gainer. That's why you pay less for Clippercraft. Only 40 and 45 dollars for a Clippercraft suit. Only $40 for a top coat or overcoat, and only $26.50 for sport jackets. What's more, they're available at your own local independent store, where you get friendly, personal attention. See for yourself. Compare them with clothes selling for many dollars more. And now, Dr. Watson, will you go on with your story? It was in the summer of 89, Mr. Harris, some little time after my marriage. After that important event, you remember, I abandoned Holmes and our Baker Street rooms and returned to civil practice. Oh, I still dropped in on him, of course, and now and then I even persuaded him to forego his bohemian surroundings and come and partake of a respectable Sunday dinner with Mary and me. And how did he and Mrs. Watson get along? Splendidly. She adored him, Mr. Harris. Well, uh, I had settled down and become a respectable married man. Practice steadily increasing and all that. My house was no great distance from Paddington Station, and I had a few patients from among the officials. One morning, a little before seven, I was awakened by the maid rapping frantically at my door. Dr. Watson! Oh, Dr. Watson, sir! Oh, uh, uh, hello, yes, come in, come in. 
Oh, Dr. Watson, come quick. Uh, what's up, Millie? What's happened? <laughs> An accident, sir. A nasty accident. Here's his card. Hmm. Mr. Victor Haverley, hydraulic engineer, 16A, Victoria Street, SW. Yes, sir. Walked over from the station, he did. I let him in. He's downstairs now in the consulting room. Looks like death, he does. Well, it can't be too serious if he had the strength to walk over from the station by himself. Looks like he's in pain, sir. It's his end, his left end. Bandaged up with handkerchief, it is. And it's all a dripping with blood, sir. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Sounds more serious than I suspected. Millie, you might go and heat some water. I'll go, go right down to him. Yes, sir. Hmm, severe hemorrhage. Wonder what the accident was. Oh, Mr. Victor Hatherley. Good morning, sir. Oh, good morning. I'm sorry to wake you up so early. I had a serious accident during the night. I came in by train this morning. They told me at the station that you were a good doctor. I came here. A night journey. Hmm, that in itself is a rather tiring and monotonous affair. You couldn't call my night monotonous. Monotonous? Never had a less monotonous night. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Pull yourself together. I, I, I'm sorry. I have been making a fool of myself. The, the relief, you understand. I, I apologize. Oh, no, not at all, not at all. Often happens in a case of shock. Here, take a swig of this brandy. That's better. Uh, now let's have a look at your hand. It's my thumb, Dr. Watson, or rather what used to be my thumb. Here, take a look. Good heavens, this is a terrible injury. Flesh badly mangled. Will it have to be amputated? No, 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 I think we can save it. Mm. Unpleasant wound. Must have bled considerably. Yes, it did. I, I guess I fainted when it happened. When I came to, I was still bleeding, so I tied one end of a handkerchief very tightly around the wrist and braced it with a twig. Excellent. You should have been a surgeon. Well, just a question of hydraulics, Dr. Watson, well within my own province. Mm. Must have been done by a very sharp and heavy instrument. Uh, a cleaver, Dr. Watson. Accident? No, an attacker. A murderous attack. Dear, dear, that sounds serious. Yes, I, I shall have to tell my story to the police, I suppose, but between you and me, I doubt if they'll believe my statement. Problem, eh? Well, if it's anything of that nature you want solved, I strongly recommend my friend Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Mr. Sherlock Holmes? I, I've heard of him, of course. Do you think he'd be interested? Could you could you give me an introduction? Oh, I'll do better than that. I'll take you around to him myself. But uh, first, let's attend to this thumb. Then we'll call a cab and drop in on Holmes for a bit of breakfast. Another bit of Mrs. Hudson's omelette, Mr. Hatherley. Uh, no, thank you, Mr. Holmes. <laughs> I feel a new man since Dr. Watson bandaged my hand and... Your excellent breakfast has completed the cure. Good. Now you can tell us your story if you're sure you feel strong enough. Well, I'll take up as little of your valuable time as possible. To begin with, I must tell you that I'm an orphan and a bachelor residing alone in lodgings here in London. By profession, uh, a hydraulic engineer, I had seven years' experience with the firm of Venner and Matheson before I decided to go into business for myself. Well, <clears throat> the start of any new firm is always rather slack, I suppose. Uh, so far, I've had uh, three consultations and one small job. Not what you'd call a rushing business. Well, no, not exactly. Every day from nine till four, I waited in my little den until at last my heart began to sink and I began to feel I should never have any practice at all. Uh, well, I know that feeling. Yes. <laughs> Would you believe it? The first two months after I resumed my medical practice, I hardly Watson, Watson, I... Watson, don't interrupt. Oh, sorry. Go on, Mr. Heatherly. It all began yesterday, just as I was thinking of closing up for the day. My clerk came in to say that there was a gentleman waiting to see me on business. His card gave me the name of Colonel Lysander Stark. Well, I told the clerk to show him in by all means. Hmm. Colonel Lysander Stark. Picturesque name, eh, Watson? 
Uh, what sort of man did he turn out to be? Slightly over middle height and exceedingly thin. I don't think I've ever seen a thinner man. His whole face sharpened away into nose and chin, and the skin was drawn tightly over his protruding cheekbones. Hmm, an invalid. No, Mr. Holmes, I should say just naturally uh, emaciated. His, his eye was bright, a trifle too bright, I thought, his step brisk and his bearing assured. He spoke with a slight German accent. I have the honor. This is Mr. Victor Hatherley, nicht wahr? Uh, why, yes, Colonel Stark. Uh, won't you sit down? Danke. You are recommended to me, sir, for a young man who is clever and also discreet. Well, <laughs> thank you. Not at all. I know also that you are an orphan, bachelor, and you live alone. Quite correct, but I, I don't see why that can possibly concern you. I understood that, that it was on a professional matter that you wanted to see me. Yeah, Gavis, I have a professional commission, but I must insist on secrecy, absolute secrecy. And that is easier from a man what has no family. If I promise to keep a secret, Colonel Stark, you may depend on my doing so. You promise, then? I promise. Good. Now we can get down to business, uh... One moment, please. Yes, it is as it should be. These clerks, you know, sometimes they are so interested in the affairs of the master. Uh, bring your chair close to mine. Huh? Mm, uh, very well. Yeah. Now we can talk with safety. Uh, but if you don't mind, Colonel, my, my time is valuable. So? To whom, then? I know how much work you have done lately, my young friend. <laughs> you do not fool me. How does 50 guineas for a night's work strike you? Why, uh, well, that's very generous, Colonel Stark. I have said a night's work, an hour's work would be more correct. Your opinion is all we ask. I have a hydraulic press. It is in bad order. You show us what is wrong, we fix it ourselves. You will do that, huh? Why, uh, of course. Good. You will come tonight by the last train? Where to? Airford, that is in Berkshire. Your train arrives at 11.15. A carriage will come to meet you. Oh, your place is out in the country? Yeah, a good seven miles from the station. There's no train back. You will spend the night. Yes, but couldn't I come at a more convenient hour? Tomorrow in the daytime? Impossible. It is for your inconvenience that we pay the 50 guineas. And for the secrecy. Of course, but perhaps if you could explain the reason for all this, uh, this caution... Very uh... well, I explain. You know, do you not, that Fuller's Earth is a very valuable product and is to be found only in two places in England? Uh, uh, yes, I believe I have heard something to that effect. Some time ago I have bought a place, a very small place, you understand, and one day I am so fortunate I discover a small deposit of Fuller's Earth in my backyard. Congratulations. I investigate. I find it is a link between two so much larger deposits, but in the property which belongs to my neighbors. These people, they do not know the value of their land. So you bought it up? No, Mr. Hatherley. I am not a rich man. I have not the money. So I speak to some of my friends, and we work our little deposit in secret, so we can earn the money to buy the land near us. Yes, but I don't understand what use you can make of a hydraulic press in excavating Fuller's earth. We we compress the earth into bricks so we can remove them without showing what they are. That is a detail, a mere detail. So, I have 
taken you into my confidence. I expect you tonight, Mr. Hathaway. I shall be there, Colonel Stark. Good. Not a word to a soul. It is best you do not even tell anyone that you are going away. Very well, if you wish it. I not only wish, I insist. Ah, here is twenty guineas in advance. Well, I'll read a sane, Mr. Hatherley. Sounds fishy to me, eh, Holmes? Fifty guineas is a suspiciously large fee for a small job like that. Quite, Watson, quite. Hydraulic presses, eh? Hmm. Did this emaciated German colonel have a scar on his forehead? Uh, what? Why, why, yes, now you mention it, I believe he did. Ha, I thought so. Then you know who he is, Holmes? I can guess. I can guess. But uh, go on with your story, Mr. Hatherley. You reached Erford at 11.15? Yes, Mr. Holmes. As I passed through the station gate, I found Colonel Stark waiting for me. Without a word, he hurried me into a carriage which was waiting for us both. We got in. He drew up the windows on both sides, tapped on the glass, and away we went as fast as the horse could go. One horse or two? Only one, Mr. Holmes. Did you observe the color? Yes, I saw it by the carriage lamps as I was getting it. It was a chestnut. Tired looking or fresh? Oh, fresh, fresh and glossy. Mm. Well, we drove for the better part of an hour. And from the rate at which we were going, I should say the distance we covered was nearly 12 and 7 miles. Yes, interesting. What did the countryside look like? It was a dark night, Mr. Holmes. I saw nothing. Moreover, the carriage windows were made of, of frosted glass. Sounds funny to me, eh, Holmes? Mm. The roads, were they smooth or bumpy? Decidedly bumpy, Mr. Holmes. We lurched and jolted terribly. Moreover, we seemed to be going continually up and down hill. Well, finally, the bumpy road was exchanged for the crisp smoothness of a gravel drive. The carriage came to a standstill, and I got out. Can you describe the front of the house? Now, I'm afraid I can't, Mr. Holmes. I was whisked into the front door so fast I could see nothing. The instant I crossed the threshold, the door slammed behind us, and I heard the rattle of the wheels as the carriage drove away. Minna? Minna? Yeah? Ich komme. Bring a lamp. Ah, that is better. It is not nice to keep our guests standing in the dark. So, that is good common. Gavis, take the lamp into my study. Now, Mr. Hatterley, if you will be so good, come with me. Mena, you can go now. Yeah, ich gehe. My sister, Mr. Hatterley, a good girl. She does what she is told. And now, you will excuse me a few minutes, please. I come right back. Of course. I... Make yourself comfortable. Hmm. Gloomy-looking hole. Smells musty as though it hadn't been lived in for a long time. All the windows shuttered and barred. Confound that clock. Wish it wouldn't tick like that. It gives me the jumps. Oh, hello, I... It is only me. Please, do not call out. I must tell you oh, something. It's all right. Please don't look so frightened. No, no, it is not all right. You must go. You must not stay here. There is no good for you to do. Yes, but I came to inspect a machine. I can't leave before. No, you must. You can do no good. The last man who came, he... Oh, this is too terrible. Nina? Nina, where are you? Quick, go to villain before it is too late. Quick, this way. Nina? Nina? Down this passage, not that door. So dark. Nina, who are you talking to? How do you run? So, you let him go, huh? Please, you will not hurt him. Won't hurt him. Wait till I get hold of him. Wait. He's coming. Run. Run. <laughs> Well, I got a glimpse of him coming after me with a cleaver, and I ran. Ran for dear life. But he ran, too. I just managed to scale the garden wall before he got to it. 
Even so, I wasn't quite quick enough. That cleaver came down on my left hand before I could get away. What a filthy blackguard. I crawled over to some bushes as best I could and then promptly fainted. Funny he didn't come after you and finish the job, they hope. Well, the bushes hit me, I guess, but someone must have found me sooner or later. It must have been the girl, or perhaps she bribed the coachman to help me. What makes you say that? Well, when I came to, the sun was just rising. I was lying in an angle of a hedge along the high road, and just a little lower down was a long building. The Erford Station. Well, I'm blessed. Half dazed, I went to the station. The early morning train was just pulling in. I boarded it and returned to London. What I can't understand is why I should have been lured to that lonely spot. And what reason Colonel Stark can have had for making his murderous attack on me? Yes, interesting little problem. We shall have to look into it. Oh, by the way, I have a newspaper clipping I think might interest you. Uh, Watson, hand me last year's index. That's a good fellow. Right, sir. There you are. Let me see. January, the Limehouse Plague, Lady Waterfield's Pearls, February, March. Ah, yes, here we are. Read this. Last on the 9th of May, Mr. Jeremiah Haling, age 26, hydraulic engineer. I say, that's a coincidence. Left lodgings at 10 o'clock at night. Has not been heard of since. Was dressed in grey tweeds, soft hat, black boots. Yes, yes, I suspect that represents the last time the colonel's machinery needed overhauling. Then that explains what the girl was trying to tell me. Undoubtedly, your colonel is a cool and desperate man, Mr. Hatherley. He lets nothing stand in the way of his little game. And, like some of our early pirates, he believes in leaving no survivors behind from a captured ship. Good heavens. Oh, I have had a narrow escape. Quite. He'd have killed you sooner or later in any event. Well, Holmes, uh, what are you going to do? I think I shall run down and have a look at that machinery for myself. But, Holmes, that's just putting your head into the lion's mouth. Yes, I only hope the lion hasn't run away. Well, at least let me go along. Well, you can come as far as Erford Station if you like. I may need reinforcements. And I'm coming too. But your wound... Oh, better... rubbish. I feel 100% improved. After all, this is my problem, and my curiosity, if nothing else, won't let me take a, a passive part in its solution. Very well. Come along, both of you. We've barely time to catch the 10.45 train. Well, here we are, Holmes. Erford Station. Now what? First of all, we must find Colonel Stark's house. I, uh, I mentioned the name to the station agent in passing. Said he never heard of it before. Yes, it's an assumed name, of course. The gentleman in question is famous for his aliases. Well, then, how are we to find the house? I've brought an ordinance map of the surrounding country. Of course. I drove ten miles at the most twelve in that carriage. All we have to do is draw a circle with a radius of twelve miles and... This station is its center, then visit all the places within that limit. Yes, rather a tiresome job. I think I can lay my finger on it without all that bother. Oh, you formed your opinion. I bet I know it's in the south. The country's more deserted there. No. I'd say east. I seem to remember driving east. Wrong again. Then it was west. There are several quiet little villages over there. No, it wasn't west. Well, then I'm for the north. There are hills there. Mr. Hatherley said he drove up and down hills. <laughs> Well, you've completely boxed the compass between you. You're both wrong. Mm -hmm. That's impossible. Not at all. This is my choice. It's here we shall find the house in the center of the circle. The starting point itself. What about the 12-mile drive? Six miles out and six miles back. Then that drive was just a hoax. And there, if I'm not mistaken, is the house. Almost across the road. You're right, Mr. Holmes. I'm sure you are. Well, that's the very same wall I vaulted last night. And, and there, further down the road, are the bushes I hid in. I thought so. Well, I'll go over and have a chat with our friend, Colonel Stark. Mr. Hatherley, you and Watson stay here. Why can't we go with you? Impossible, my dear Watson. I don't want to frighten Colonel Stark off before I have a look at that machine of his. Yes, but you're not a hydraulic engineer, Mr. Holmes. You wouldn't understand it. He'll suspect you immediately. I have a fairly good knowledge of hydraulics. I think it will see me through. 
However, if I'm not back inside of 15 minutes, you may come and get me. I may need assistance. Most men are loyal customers of the friendly local store in their community, the store they can trust. Therefore, it's doubly pleasing that this fine independent store, the leading establishment in town, sells Clippercraft clothes. It's nice to get all the advantages of group buying at the store of your choice. And it's mighty easy on your pocketbook, too. The Clippercraft plan concentrates the buying power of 1,036 stores from coast to coast, bringing you beautifully tailored Clippercraft suits at only 40 and 45 dollars, top coats and overcoats at only 40 dollars, and sport jackets at only 26.50. Yes, selling expensive clothes at inexpensive low prices at the nation's finest independent stores is the great big idea behind the Clippercraft plan. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes. So be sure to visit the Clippercraft store in your city. These leading stores in the metropolitan area are proud to add their names to Clippercraft in your suit, top coat, and overcoat. In Manhattan, Saks 34th, Broadway at 34th, John Wanamaker Men's Stores, Broadway at 8th and 67 Liberty Street, in Brooklyn, Abraham and Strauss, in Newark, New Jersey, Boulevard Men's Shop, Kresge, Newark, and in Jamaica, the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue. Back to Sherlock Holmes. We find him at the door of the mysterious Colonel Stark. Confound it, you don't suppose he's made his getaway. Who are you? What do you want? Oh, how do you do? Colonel Stark, I presume? I've come to repair your hydraulic press. You, you, how dare you? Well, you see, a friend of mine, Mr. Hatherley told me of his experience here last night. I I said I thought he was a fool to run away like that, that you must have mistaken him for someone else last night when you chased him in the dark. Yes, uh, yes, uh, that is so. A, a suitor of my sister, a good-for-nothing scoundrel. It was all a mistake. Just as I suspected. And when Mr. Hatherley said he wouldn't come back, and when I learned what a fine fee you'd promised him, I thought, why not come and have a look for myself? Of course, why not? You, too, are a hydraulic engineer? Naturally. Very well. You may come in. Ah, trunks and boxes in the front hall. You're about to leave this neighborhood? Yeah, uh, the, the English climate. It is bad for my sister's health. We go to the south of France. I wonder if I might see your sister. So sorry. She is in her room. She is not well. Oh, just for a moment. Hatherley seemed to be worried about her. Said he thought you might have mistreated her last night after he got away. Uh, ridiculous. Of course, but uh, if I could just see her, I could reassure him. He uh, seemed to want to call in the police. Uh, the foolish young man. Uh, but come, I, I let you see her this way. She shall tell you herself that she is all right. That's very good of you, I'm sure. I wouldn't dream of troubling you myself, but you see, young Heatherly is... Uh... This is her room. Minna? Minna? Yes. See, Minna, I bring a gentleman who is anxious to know if you are all right. Uh, tell him how you feel, huh, Minna? I am well, thank you. I'm delighted to hear it. You see, my friend Mr. Hatherley was worried about you. Mr. 
Hatherley? The young gentleman I mistook for someone else last night. Oh, how is he? He's all right. Why, yes, of course. Oh, I'm so glad. Hold on a minute. Look here. Those bruises on your neck and arms. Has anyone been treating you badly? Uh, that was from falling downstairs, Amina. Uh, yes. I see. Well, Colonel Stark, suppose we take a look at your hydraulic press. Certainly. Of course. This way, please. Uh, goodbye, Fräulein Stark. I hope you'll enjoy the south of France. The south of France? Yes. Lovely climate. Well, goodbye. This way, the press is on this floor. Here we are. Hmm. Gigantic affair, Colonel. Yes, it is capable of exerting enormous pressure. The sides are all of iron. Yes, very impressive. I pull the lever so. The water flows into the cylinders, you hear? But there's a leakage somewhere. Yes, loss of power. Yes, that third driving rod, the rubber banding around the top, seems to have shrunk. It doesn't quite fill the socket. Of course, how stupid of me not to notice for myself. Yes, it would have saved you a lot of trouble, wouldn't it? You can stop the machine now. Let's have a look at the inside. Very well, if you wish. You can enter here. Hmm. Very impressive. Like a prison. Hello, what's this on the floor? Metallic deposit. Wasn't it Fuller's Earth you're supposed to be mining? Yes, I thought you might see that. <laughs> Goodbye, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Great thunder, he's locked me in. Started the machine. The ceiling's coming down on me. Well, Sherlock Holmes, you let yourself in for something this time. Closer. Closer, you wouldn't think it could move so fast. In a few minutes, it'll grind me to a helpless pulp. Better not think about it. I can reach it now. Down. Down. No good trying to push it back. I found it. I can't stand up any longer. Well, then, sit down, Sherlock. Lower. Lower. If I lie on my face, the weight will crack my spine. No, the other way will be less painful. Please, mister. Minna, where did you come from? Here, near the floor. A panel, it's open. By Jove, another outlet. Hurry, hurry, do not talk so much. You can get out. The opening's pretty small. Quick, quick. Yes, I... I can just squeeze through. There. God said, thank you, are safe. <sighs> Pretty close shave. Oh. Hear that? The presser has just hit the floor. Another minute in there, and I'd have been ground to a pulp. So, Minna was the good angel a second time, Doctor. Yes, a great girl, that Minna. Hatherley took quite a fancy to her. In fact, she eventually became Mrs. Hatherley. Oh, and her brother? Oh, Hatherley and I caught him on his way out as he was making his getaway. He's uh, still in prison, serving a life sentence for attempted murder and counterfeiting. What a ghastly story, Doctor. So that was what the hydraulic press was used for, counterfeiting. Yes, of course, Holmes suspected it from the first. Naturally. And now, Dr. Watson, would you like to give us a hint about next week's adventure? Uh, next week, I think I should explain why the ancient statue of Charles I, which stands in Charing Cross, holds a modern sword. 
I may even tell you how the original sword threatened the life of one of the premier dukes of England. The makers of Clippercraft Clothes and 1036 leading stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes is produced and directed by Basil Lochran, with special music by Albert Berman. If you don't know your Clippercraft dealer, write Clippercraft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Give your child a run for your money. Join the March of Dimes. Send your dimes and dollars to your local March of Dimes headquarters. Keep your kids in the running. Join the March of Dimes. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in the case of the Avenging Blade. If you'd like to attend the Sherlock Holmes broadcasts in New York, see your local Clippercraft dealer, and he'll tell you how to obtain your tickets. This is Cy Harris speaking for Clippercraft Clothes. This is the world's largest network serving more than 450 radio stations with mutual broadcasting system. Good evening. This is Crime Classics. I am Thomas Highland with another true story of crime. Listen. A man walking along a cobbled street in Whitechapel. It's an April evening and a pleasant one. A spring rain has just finished and the street lamp spread skins of light over the wetted pavements. Stroll. Nowhere in particular. Hanbury Street is as good as any other. But look there. The young woman waiting. Well, look who it is, won't you? If it ain't old saucy you hisself. Pleasant night, ain't it? Walk in, will you? I walk along with you, you won't mind. <sighs> I like April, don't you? And the rain makes everything fresh and nice, don't it? Oh, now there's a pretty garden, ain't it? Flowers already... <coughs> <coughs> Tonight, my report to you on... Good evening. My name is Jack the Ripper. Crime Classics, a series of true crime stories taken from the records and newspapers of every land from every time. Your host each week, Mr. Thomas Highland, connoisseur of crime, student of violence, and teller of murders. Now once again, Mr. Thomas Highland. The year was 1888, and the place was London. 
The first murder had taken place on April 3rd and was not reported in the London Times. The woman's name was Emma Elizabeth Smith, and she had blonde hair. I have blonde hair, too. The second murder took place not far from the first, near the Groveyard buildings in Whitechapel. The woman's name was Martha Tabram, and the police noted that she died exactly the same way as Emma Elizabeth Smith. Horribly, by knife. To be noted, Martha had blonde hair, too, and her eyes were dark. My eyes are dark, too, and I have blonde hair. Third murder, August 31st, Bucks Row, also in Whitechapel. Horribly, by knife, died Ann Nichols. To be noted, Ann had blonde hair, and her eyes were dark, and there was a gaiety about her. <laughs> oh, I have dark eyes, and, and my hair is blonde. My name is Mary Jane Kelly. And you want a room, dearie? Yes, yes, I do. You come with me, then. Pretty room for a pretty girl. Where are you from, dearie? Well, I was born in Limerick. And 16 when I went to Wales. Now you've come to London. I've been to Paris. And now you've come to London. What for? I've been all over. And how many places the police looking for you, dearie? Whatever do you say? Ah, pretty like you. And a room like this. Oh, I don't mind. Uh, is there a way to come through? Through the back. Oh, well, this will do nice. The neighborhood in which Mary Jane Kelly found a room may be best described as a slum. A rows of poor lodging houses dedicated to the proposition that it is more difficult to find a criminal in a swarm. Mary's room number, oddly enough, was 13. I never was a superstitious kind. Just to have fun, it's all I like. Live and have fun. The room itself was a straw mattress and a chair to fling one's clothes over. Now, at this instant, this precise time when Mary Jane Kelly entered her room, uh, three blocks away on Hanbury Street, you remember, a man walking along a cobbled street, April evening, after rain, stroll, but look there. Well, look who it is, won't you? Said the young woman who was waiting, whose name was Annie Chapman. If it ain't old saucy you yourself. Pleasant night, ain't it? Walk in, will you? I walk along with you, you won't mind. <sighs> I like April, don't you? And the rain makes everything fresh and nice, don't it? Oh, now, there's a pretty garden, ain't it? Flowers already... Yes? I got 
a new rumor today. Oh, that's nice. A sailor boy. Oh, that's nice. With cheeks rosy from the sea. Oh, that's nice. And he asked me today, what's a sailor to do in Whitechapel for a little fun? What kind of fun, I asked, and he says, for a chap like me. And I gave him a wink and a push with my elbow, and he says, no, lady, no, that's not what I'm talking of. A good girl, a nice girl I'd like to meet. Oh. And he wears an earring in his ear, and he comes from the West Indies, he says, and he comes to live here with a sea chest. I put him in room 12. Why, that's just across the hall from me. Oh, yes. I peeked in a minute ago and the lad's having a sleep. <laughs> Not more than 17 years. Oh, rosy cheeks. He keeps his sea chest under his bed. Well, dearie? The chest is locked. Oh, ain't that a shame. Oh, my. Another. Another what? Murder. Who? Her name was Anne Chapman, the papers say, eh? Did you know her? Yeah, she was in these parts for some time, I know her. By whatever name. Read me more what it says. Her throat was cut. Ooh. She was lying close up against the wall and her eyes staring ahead. Oh, right. It says here. Hey, what else? And her rings were torn from her fingers. Oh, but laid out real neat alongside her. Horrid. And it says here that man that did in Anne Chapman did in the other three. <laughs> Same way of killing, it says here. Oh, what kind of man would do killings like that? That kind of man that did it. There's all kinds, you should know. What else it say? It says they've named him. Oh? They've named him the Ripper. Robbie's a nice name. I'm glad you like it. A sweet and innocent name. Thank you. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Oh, here you sail the seven seas, and look where we walk to, the Thames River. <laughs> Why, I should imagine you were sailor and come home from a long voyage. You wouldn't want to come so near to water again. I'd walk with you wherever. Oh, now. I would, too. Tell me a thing, Robbie. Oh, I want to. Where you come from, and what's your home? From Boston. Oh, such a lad to be so far away. I'm 17, and all my life I've been wanting to sail. Hey, let's sit here, Robbie. Aye. It's truly remarkable. What is? A fair lady like you should be sitting next to me. Oh, I like you, Robbie. Uh, Robbie? Yes? How did you come to Whitechapel? Oh, it's where the cheapy rooms are. Don't you have no money? Uh, not what you'd call money. I don't understand you. Well, things I, I bought in the Indies with money. Oh. A pearl or two and some other stones and coral things. You ought to see I've got my sea chest filled with Hush. all... But I'd like Hush. to... Hush. You shouldn't say, Robbie. You shouldn't trust nobody. But there's thieves and thieves and thieves. 
Come along fast as you would never think, and take your key to your sea chest right from, from wherever. Oh, they wouldn't do that. There's thieves and thieves and thieves. But they couldn't rob my key from me because I got it right here. Oh, kiss me, Robbie. What? Kiss me. Yes. Oh, Mary, you're so wonderful. As she was lifting his key from wherever... Now, at this instant, at this precise time, when Mary Jane Kelly was kissing an apprentice seaman and making a sailor out of him, up from the London docks and north a mile away, Whitechapel, this was happening at midnight on Burner Street. Oh, where do you go, laddie-o? Where do you go, sweet lad, sweet lad, when you go away from me? Elizabeth Stride, blonde hair, dark eyes, a melancholy kind of gaiety. You want to hear another verse, lovey? She said to the man she's met a little while ago. Do you go to Dover? Do you go to Dee, sweet lad, sweet lad? When you go away from... are listening to Crime Classics and your host, Thomas Hyland. A network already famous for reliable and frequent news coverage, CBS Radio, adds an even dozen new newscasts to its schedule starting this coming Saturday. Hear Alan Jackson with the news. Three new roundups in your Saturday daytime schedule. Listen for Robert Trout with four new strategically spaced Sunday roundups. And listen Monday through Friday nights for reports by Robert Trout, too, on most of these same stations. Twelve new broadcasts of news starting this Saturday. Add to CBS Radio's already wide margin for top reporting first. And now, once again, Thomas Highland and the second act of Crime Classics and his report to you on Good Evening, My Name is Jack the Ripper. With regards the murders in Whitechapel, the coroner had this to say, and I quote, I am afraid there will be more murders just like these four. These women were slain by a man who knows considerable about anatomy. That being the case, a madman is probably at large. Unquote. If this sounds like a non-sequitur to you, it sounds like one to me, too. My guess is that the coroner was shaky about the whole thing. Certainly all of London was. And the morning after the night of the knife and Elizabeth Stride, the conversations in Miller's court went something like this. 
Elizabeth Stride, I can't believe it. Did you know her? No. Know her? Know her, she asks me. How well? She worked for me. Worked for you? Well, you can call it that if you have to. She helped me to pay for her lodgings. Moved away only last month, she did. What was she like? Uh, blondie she was, yellow hair. I have yellow hair. Oh, not so yellow as yours. And she had dark eyes. Oh, my eyes are dark, too. Oh, less brown than yours, hers was. Oh, she was a laugher, she was. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Look, look at the skin of my arm now. Chilled, and for no reason. Martha. What, dearie? Oh, I'm silly to fright. Those four of them, blonde hair and... You're silly to fright. None so pretty as you, nor as young. Tell me. What? Was there truly a pearl in the sailor's sea chest? Ah, oh, was letters from his mother in Boston. Nothing else. <laughs> oh, you've been fox, Diddy. Sweet and innocent he was. And rosy-cheeked, and now he's off to sea again. <laughs> good morning, ladies. I said good morning to you. I'm running respectable lodgings, officer, and there's no reason why you should be coming in no, here. No, Marthy, Marthy, love, keep your shirt on. Well, who's this pretty one with you, Marthy? Who's she? Pinch her cheek and get done with it, officer. Tell us what you're doing here. Pretty, pretty. What's your name? Mary. Mary Jane Kelly. Mary Jane Kelly. Ain't you afraid, Mary? Afraid of what? Why, Jack the Ripper. Sir. Yes, Mary. Truly, is there such a one? As surely as I'm standing here. A monster of some sort. Well, he ain't here, so skedaddle. He's written on the wall that he's going to kill 16 more before he's done. Ooh. Girl officer, thick's about pretty. That's me, so don't you fright. What do you want here? You ain't told us that. Questions. Of what? I'm told that the girl that met the Ripper last night, Elizabeth Stride, she was. I'm told she lived here. I'm told she worked here. And? I thought maybe you could answer me then if she had a man friend. Uh, special, that is. Elizabeth? Betty? Men? Oh, no, not Elizabeth. Not Betty. Oh, oh no. You're sure now? I'd swear on my dear Aunt Anna's grave. Then what of you, pretty? Oh, I'm new to London, sir. Oh, now, don't you let this ripper fella fright you. Uh, no, sir. Not with you about. Ha <laughs> that's my girl. That's my girl all right, ain't you? Ain't you? Yes, sir. Yeah. Mary? Mary? What is it? Open up quick, Mary. Oh, Mary. Whatever's the matter? Come quick, come with me quick. Where to? He's got his door open a little bit and he's sitting there and I want you to take a look at him. Who, who are you talking about? The new rumor. He just arrived. Oh, no. Come take a look. Quiet now. We'll take a peek at him. Oh, handsome man as he sits there and reads his book. Quiet now. See him. See him. Oh, my. Now, quickly, before he gets up and sees us, gets us away from here. Oh, he is handsome, isn't he? I suppose. You suppose? Handsomer than any about here? Mm, I suppose. Lesson you love somebody, then they're handsomer than anything. 
Love somebody? Like I love Officer Thomas Thick. Love him? Mm, with all my heart and soul. Well, now. Well, well, now. With all my heart and soul. Couldn't you go talk to my new roomer a bit? For old time's sake. Welcome him, so to speak. He seems like a lonely man. No. No? I'm to meet Officer Thick in a sec. Truly? Truly. Well. Thomas Thick, now you got the money. Oh, just because you're a police officer, you don't have to be proud. Besides, I love you, true. Oh, you're a girl, Mary. You're truly a girl. Ah, don't you be proud. Let me be proud of you. Come, I'll walk with you. <coughs> what? Wait here. Thomas, what was it? That drunken... She screamed. A trick. She playing a trick. Like the Ripper was at her. She saw me walking with you and that, that drunken... Oh, I don't, don't say nothing too bad against her. Everybody lives here in these alleys. You forget what's funny and what's not funny. Oh, you're a dear girl. Come, I'll walk you home. Uh, you best leave me here, Thomas. I can walk the half of the block. Besides... Besides what? Oh, they laugh at me. The other one's at Martha's. That I'm walking with an officer. They say that's awful funny. Well, I'll not let you walk alone. Not these times with Jack and his knife about. He ain't done that thing he does for weeks now. So don't you worry. Here, give us a kiss, Thomas, and look for me tomorrow. I wish you'd let me walk with you. Ah, just give us a kiss. Now, look for me tomorrow. Sorry, sir, I, I didn't see you. What? Well, you're the new rumor, ain't you? There at Martha's, ain't you? Well, good night. sir because I'm happy and when I'm happy I'm a girl to know oh, I, I don't know you sir but you appear to me a gentleman of uncommon words so if I say to you let's find a pub <coughs> oh. Murder, murder most foul. The sixth, Catherine Eddowes, found in a footpath in Mitre Square, lying on her back, head inclined to the left side, 
Her throat had been cut. Other lacerations indicated great anatomical skill by the killer. Jack the Ripper had slain his sixth victim, and London was washed again against the heights of terror. A hysteria took hold. Fingers were pointed, and Jack the Ripper shouted, and innocent men would be stoned. And Whitechapel was caught up in an orgy of self-guilt. It's a fiend from hell that's loose among us. Oh, Martha. And Judgment Day's closing down on us. I can't find and him. And the night of witches and beasties is nigh. Maybe even this very night. I've looked all over and I can't find him. What are you babbling? Why are you standing there babbling? Thomas Thick is no longer in Whitechapel. What do you mean? He was seen going about with me. And they took him from Whitechapel to another place. And I, I can't find him. Oh, dearie. Oh, dearie, that's not so bad, is it? But I, I loved him. And gave him your money. What of it? And he took it. Mary. What? The new rumor. Oh, a gentleman, now there's one for you. See how he stands outside there on the stoop, the way he smokes a cigar. A true gentleman. Oh, what of it? He's lonely. What of it? Well, can't you tell he's lonely? Why should I care? And you're lonely, too. Yes, I am. Then go to him. Talk to him. He's looked at you. I know he has. Such a handsome one. And he's looked at you. Oh, has he now? I swear on my Aunt Anna's grave. Has he now? Uh, does my hair look all right? Mm, softy gold. Truly? Truly. And your eyes so dancing dark. <laughs> Enjoy, Diddy. Hello. Oh, isn't it a lovely night? So warm for November. <laughs> Spring, really. I love walking. Oh, not so quickly, please. You take such long steps. Oh, I, I'm chilly. It's not warm at all. Oh, let's go back to my room. Uh, I'll fetch a coat or whatever. Oh, I must tell you, Martha said a thing. You know Martha. <laughs> she said you were looking at me. Oh, no, no. If we go down the alley here, we can go in the back way. Well, I'll tell you. I've been looking at you. Right down there. I've put some pictures up on my wall. Oh, you'll like them, I know. Ah, right in here. <laughs> Thank you. Now, I'll just light the lamp. Oh, oh would you rather... Oh! The seventh, the last, the greatest unsolved crime in history. The year was 1888, and it's generally considered that Jack the Ripper was a very young man, and it's thought that he ran away to America. 
So that spry old gentleman over there carving so deftly the roast, spooning out the kidney pie. Or that one there whittling. Or the one there, silver-haired, a fine surgeon by day. Well, I'm just pointing out the possibility, that's all. In just a moment, Thomas Highland. Jack the Ripper, tonight's crime classic, was adapted from the original newspaper accounts by Morton Fine and David Friedkin. The music was composed and conducted by Bernard Herman, and the program is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. Thomas Highland is portrayed on radio by Lou Merrill. In tonight's story, Betty Harford was heard as Mary and D.J. Thompson as Martha. Featured in the cast were Irene Tedrow, Ben Wright, Paula Winslow, James McCallion, and Richard Peel. Roy Rowan speaking. And here again is Thomas Highland. Ladies and gentlemen, on Tuesday next, I begin a world cruise, uh, during which time I will reestablish my friendships with antiquarians, historians, and police officers throughout the world. Uh, this commitment makes it necessary for me to conclude this present series of crime classics effective with this broadcast. I hope to return in time to resume the series in the fall. Thank you, and good night. Everybody has at least one day in a lifetime like, well, like you're going to hear about tomorrow night when CBS Radio presents Kathy and Elliot Lewis on stage. Hollywood's acting Lewises star in a most unusual original story titled, Some Days It Just Doesn't Pay. And we think you'll find it delightful listening for a summer Thursday night. Try it and see. Tomorrow night on most of these same stations, Kathy and Elliot Lewis on stage. It's Light Entertainment, the Peter Lind Hayes Show, Monday through Friday evenings on the CBS Radio Network.